Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. Welcome to our podcast. I believe God will anoint this message to speak to you today because we do have this promise in Isaiah 55:11. My word I will send out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. As you listen to this message, let the word of God penetrate your heart so it can accomplish all his will in your life. Enjoy this message. Laughing earlier back in the sound booth with some of the fellas, you know, um, I graduated high school in 1993. That was just a minute ago. And I saved up money to buy my first car. And man, was it a car. Um, it was a 1970 Delta 88. It was lime green with a black vinyl top. Had a hole in the front bench seat, and we couldn't get a car cover for the seat big enough other than a full-size pickup truck that had the shotgun holster-like thing underneath it. I was cool. But the best part of it was it had a 455 engine under the hood. Now, I didn't quite know what that was yet. But, um, you know, when I got that car that got about, I don't remember, Dad, do you remember, like, 8 to 13 miles to the gallon, I think. But when I got that car, Dad got in it, and it just sounded a little funny, just a little funny. And he said, well, I know what's wrong with it. It needs the carbon blown out. And Dad said, I I'll take care of that, but you're not going to do this, okay? When I do what I'm getting ready to do, you're not going to repeat it. So we got out on Route 7, and the gas pedal that was about that big, we sat there, and he hit the pedal. And at, at somewhere at 100, I quit looking at the odometer. Now, that might be a slight exaggeration, but... That's what it was called, the, to, some of you understand that, right? You're going like this, to blow the carbon out. It's been a little while since I've done this <laughs> and brought a message like this. So if you'll bear with me this morning, I'm going to try to blow the carbon out. <laughs> um, let's, let's go before the Lord and let's pray. God, we just thank you for being the God that you are. We thank you for being here this morning, Lord, and we just trust you, Lord, that we are here for such a time as this, God, that you have a message for us this morning. And um, just like we just worshiped and said, nothing else but you today, God. Help us to put it all aside, lay it all out, and hear from you. Help us to not leave this place the way we came. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you uh, ever had an issue that defined you? That's where we're going to go today. Something that's hindered you, maybe zapped you of your strength, um, made you maybe not even who you knew you were created to be. 
uh, habit, addiction, um, something that tries to steal your identity, danger your relationships, or, um, you know, wound your family. You ever had your finances drained, crushed your hope, your dreams, your aspirations, or made you feel powerless and insignificant? I want to encourage you today with a look at one of the most famous people in the Bible and her issue. Matter of fact, we don't even know what this woman's name was, but we refer to her as the woman with the issue of blood. And we're going to be going through some different texts this morning, but um, this, the, her full story is found in Mark chapter 5, verse 22 through 36. So we're going to break down those facts for a little bit, okay? This woman was believed to have had a chronic um, hemorrhage of some kind, most likely a menstrual hemorrhage. Um, it had caused turmoil in her life because the requirements then under the Mosaic law were that if this was going on with a woman, that she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to be touched. She wasn't allowed to be um, out in public. Um, it, it was a very difficult time. Until the hemorrhaging stopped, she was forced to stay away from her family and other people. And scripture tells us that that went on for 12 years. This issue uh, swallowed up her finances. Scripture tells us that too. That her desperate attempt to get well only got worse. We're going to go to Matthew, or I'm sorry, to Mark 5, verse 26. It said she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Nobody could be around her. She couldn't be around anyone. In fact, we even know that if she was caught around people, that she may have even had to pay for it with her life. Now, I am no Greek scholar, and um, my handsome husband over there took me to West Virginia for about 13 years, so I don't claim to be able to speak Greek. Matter of fact, um, one of my kiddos I used to have here said, you need to come home because you used to be fine, and now you're fine. So, <laughs> true story. But suffered here in the text is from the Greek word pasco, which is described as not just physical suffering. You got it? Okay, she had a physical ailment that caused physical suffering. However, this type of suffering means suffering in the mind and the emotions as well as the physical being. You might say that it's suffering that pushes someone to the verge of even a mental breakdown. Her life, her actions, everything were wrestling around 
this issue of blood. See, sometimes we have issues in our life, right? All of us, we've got issues. But there are other times that our issues have us. And that's where she was. But what makes her story, this is the best part, what makes her story one of victory instead of defeat is the fact that in her desperation, she allowed it to fuel her tenacity. And when she allowed it to fuel her, in, her tenacity, it then lit a fire and ignited her faith. Even though we don't know her name, <clears throat> She stands for all time as an example about how we can stop the bleeding in our lives caused by many destructive issues. We're going to break down some different points and we're going to look at her. And the first one that we're going to look at is her level of belief. See, if we're going to get past our issues... If we're going to get to the feet of Jesus, we have to determine our level of belief. On some level, we all wish for God to intervene in our lives, like in different areas. Uh, maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your job, your children. Um, maybe it's in your community. But the difference between wishing God would intervene and believing God will intervene, is that knowing that he is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he will do. Believing goes far deeper. It requires a personal investment to believe. Personal. Pastor shared with us in the last few weeks, Mark uh, 9, 29, where the disciples said, when they couldn't cast a demon out of a child, <clears throat> And he said to them, this kind only comes from prayer and fasting. Some of us had the privilege this week to go to the Soma, um, the prayer gathering on Tuesday. If you don't know what Soma is, that's, that's a great conversation to have even deeper with pastor. But it's a, it's a group of churches that believe the same thing and we're heading in the same direction. And we support each other and... Um, Pastor Mark that's over that supports all of our pastors. It was a wonderful time. We had an old-fashioned prayer meeting. You know, them kind where, like, everybody prays really loud all at the same time. And, it, and a stranger walking in the room might think it was chaos, but, man, it was beautiful. We were pressing through to the throne of God. And so many of those pastors were saying that they're all doing a fast right now. You know, we've done fasts a lot in this body. So it's easy to start a fast and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's our 21-day fast. At the beginning of the year, we always do a fast. Oh, what am I going to fast this time? I'm going to do breakfast, lunch. Am I going to do several days? Am I gonna, what am I going to fast? And sometimes we get so much into the habit or ritual of it that we forget to allow it to mean something and to make a mark. Hopefully, you've been practicing your fast this week. I've talked to a couple different people, and they said they're either enjoying the communion or maybe they haven't got into the communion just yet because it feels a little awkward. 
you know? Sometimes coming to church, doing our communion, hearing Rob say what he needs to do to lead us into communion, showing us the scripture, that's what's normal for us. But can I tell you, we serve God is way off of normal and our normal expectations. Um, it's been interesting in our family. We've been taking communion together at, at night and um, just trying to get into the fast together. We've been doing the children's fast, and if you haven't picked that up, make sure Pastor Kimmy will have that for your kids this week. But it's, it's a wonderful time. But if we're not careful, life will get so busy, and it'll go on and on and on that we will forget to press in and hear what God has for us in this fast. <clears throat> so we're going to press in, determine our level of belief. And then we see another example of this principle with the story of the rich young ruler. We don't see quite the same response we did with the woman with the issue of blood. Matthew 19, verses 16 through 29, tells his story. He came to Jesus and he asked him, in essence, how can I get rid of this emptiness? He had an emptiness inside of him. He wanted to know how to get to the kingdom of heaven. The ruler had a more socially acceptable form of bleeding because it was internal not external. The woman with the issue of blood proved she wanted to be healed. She was willing to spend every dime she had and risk her life moving, not just to see Jesus, but through a packed crowd where she wasn't supposed to touch anyone to get to him. She was willing to defy every obstacle to stop the bleeding. So what is her lesson to us this morning? Point two, you've got to make the decision to get to Jesus. In this 21-day fast, we have to make the decision to get to the Messiah. We spent last week breaking down a scripture and looking at all the things that could be in our way, obstacles, sin, things in our heart. Did anybody else have like the worst day when we looked at our boiling point and anger? Did you, did you get to, we do ours the end of the day. I think maybe I should have done it the beginning of the day because I would have had less eruptions that day internally. My girls, I don't know if it's lovingly or not, but refer to them as momzilla moments that we have in our home. Uh, but it was just a, it was a difficult day that day. It was a difficult day. If we make the decision, though, to get through to Jesus, this fast is going to change things. It's going to change us first. It's going to change our body second. And then it's going to change our community and our world. See, Jesus was healthy and walking through the crowd. But this woman, <laughs> this woman was hemorrhaging and crawling. Jesus was surrounded and protected by people. He had his posse. He had his fellas with him. 
But she was lonely, ostracized, despised, but still she got to him. Have you noticed that most miracles in the Bible, when God heals someone, what does he say? Your faith, come on, you know it, has made you whole. That's right. Because I'm a firm believer that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, it was. You can put a big old exclamation point at the end of that statement. Because all the things that he was going to do were completed in that moment. And all the promises were available to us. This woman made the decision to get to Jesus no matter what healing was going to cost her. She made a decision that no longer was her condition going to define her. See, we come to our church and we come to our body and we talk about wonderful things. We talk about reaching our community. We talk about our families. We talk about all these things. But until we ourselves get directly to Jesus, we can't bring anybody else to him. We have to get there ourselves. Several years back, there was a movement that started hitting in the body of Christ about people um, who were seeking. And churches began to become seeker-sensitive, okay? So their, their Sunday morning service changed, different things changed, because they wanted to be sensitive to people that were seeking Jesus. But you know, guys, we've gone way past that now. And I don't know that anybody's coined a name for it, but it's more of an empty, sensitive movement that we need to have. Because even though there's people who've been in our church every Sunday morning, they can still have an emptiness inside of them that only God can feel. Empty people aren't just outside the walls of our church. Sometimes they're inside the walls too. Sometimes we get so busy going through the motions that we forget to go straight to the feet of Jesus. You know, there was a day in my life, um, I was raised in a denominational church, and I started seeing some crazy things. I went and represented um, churches in this area to the conference that we would have and for Ohio. And I started seeing some things as a young woman in my 20s that I went, what is going on here? And I just was a place in my life where I told the Lord, either you're real <laughs> and you're true or you're not. And I don't want to be a part of this. So if this is you, not me. I'm not, I'm not in. But if this isn't you, show me more. And not long after that, some of my friends invited me to this crazy little country church up on a dirt road. And there was a revival going on. 
And let me tell you, that was a revival. That wasn't just something you read of. There was really a revival going on. It was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I came home. I was, my family was like, what has happened to you? I mean, it was, I started experiencing the Lord. But then I started experiencing the gifts of the Spirit. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. But as I experienced those things, I had an issue, an internal issue. And that issue was that I was not confident in myself. So I was not confident that I could hear from God. I was not confident of going to the Father. I didn't, I didn't believe I could do that myself. So I had this period in my life where and I'm just going to be straight up honest. I did not know the word. I was raised in church. I knew the Bible stories frontwards and backwards. I could sing the songs. But I had never been a student of the word. But then I started getting around these people that heard from the Lord. And they had words. And that was exciting. So I would go to them and I would say, Oh, and what did the Lord tell you? And we would hear, I would hear these things, and I had this period in my life where I jokingly laugh and say that I was like, hear a word, there a word, everywhere a word, word, because I was looking for that. And all the time, Jesus had never left me nor forsake me, before forsaken me, and he was saying, get in my word. Know my words. Know what I'm telling you. I want to talk with you, daughter. It's as crazy if we don't know the word and get in the word as it is. You know, I, I love my husband. And every night, it's a big deal to me to say goodnight. Like, you don't go to bed without saying goodnight to each other. I was a single woman for a long time. And no, you say, goodnight, honey. I love you. But I don't call up Lisa while I'm in the bedroom with my husband and say, hey, Lisa, hey, could you tell Kenny goodnight that I love him? And then tell me what he has to say to me. Because I'm right there with him. I'm right there with him. I say to him, because we have an intimate relationship, goodnight, babe, I love you. And then you know what I do? I wait. And if he goes to sleep and starts snoring, I shake that man. No. I wait for him to say whatever he has to say to me. We forget that in our relationship with the Lord. We forget to be intimate and talk with him. Words are wonderful, and they're part of how God uses things. Listen, I was at this altar one Sunday in total desperation. And praying for other people. I wasn't even looking for myself. And my dear friend Heather happened to be here from Florida at the time, I think. And I'm up here praying with people. Those were the days when I got down on my knees real easy and got up easy. And she comes up behind me and Heather says, listen, God wants you to know that he's going to put a baby in your womb and a child in your arms. And I just went, oh, you're just, Heather, you're just so sweet. Thank you. It's really good to see you this morning. 
Because at that point, I had had two miscarriages. I had, we had started an attempt to foster, to adopt, and we didn't even go looking for it. A caseworker came in my office and said, you have a bond with this child. He needs a home. Would you and your husband be willing? Call my husband on the phone. This man is crazy. He married me, right? Yes. So I say to him, hey, this little guy needs a home. We need to talk about this tonight. And he said, what's there to talk about? He needs a home. We have a home. Tell her yes. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to talk about this. See, I like to talk about things. Kenny sometimes talks about things. Or turns on his husband like, "Mm mm-hmm, yes, dear, mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because I'm still over here talking. But we got all the way to the 10th class of fostering when a caseworker looked at us and said, oh, well, a kinship placement, its family came forward, and they're going to adopt him. He's not available for adoption anymore. So that's where I was that Sunday when I was here. Listen, anybody, I was managing a child care center for our church in St. Albans, and any woman that came in there with her nails done or smelling like suntan lotion because she'd been in the tanning bed before she picked her child up, listen, I had a judgment 10 miles long for that woman because I was bleeding. I was bleeding here and bleeding in my heart, and I was in an ugly place. And God spoke that word to me. And as you know, if you've seen my children, (laughs) that word was true. But I had to know his word in the Bible also. Because there are days that I had to stand on that. When I was 36 years old and having a horrid pregnancy and couldn't keep anything down and was going in the hospital for fluid, I had to lay my hands on my belly and say, Baby, you shall live and not die and you will declare the works of the Lord. I had to stand in the face of of opposition with a five-year adoption. When Haiti said we couldn't do it for two and a half years, then the U.S. said we couldn't do it after Haiti said we could for two years, after appeal, after appeal, after appeal. And one day I was talking on the phone to my very expensive therapist, my mother. (laughs) I've cost her a lot of expense, is why I say that. And I told her, I said, Mom, we have one appeal left. And if we, if this does not happen with Sandra, it's over. We can't appeal anymore. In the meantime, the sex, laugh, or the, um, sex trafficking laws had changed. Haiti had become a head country. All these things that might have been good overall, but was really lousy in our time frame. And we found out there were 10 families, 10, that were caught in this loophole. And we happened to be one of them. And I said <laughs> to my mom, I said, Mom, People were telling us, my, my pastor, who had just adopted a child from Haiti, said, I don't know why you all are still doing this. You really just maybe need to give it up. I 
And I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. And she said, listen, she said, if you want to give up, okay, because you fought a hard fight. She said, but if you want to believe, then I'll believe with you until we see God's word become true. So we're going to get his word, and we're going to stand on his word, and we're going to say that he who began a good work in this adoption will be faithful to complete it. We had been to church one Sunday, and it was one of those boiling point Sundays. And uh, we had a real hard time, and I could give you all the details of why we were having a hard time that morning, but my husband looked at me, and we joke sometimes that Kenny's neck is a little bit red. But that morning, it was red because he was done. And some comments had been made, some things had happened, and he looked at me. Chloe was in the nursery. He said, go get Chloe. We're, we're leaving right now. Because I knew he was at the place where he either needed to chill out or somebody may get punched. <laughs> so we got in the van, and I said, are you okay? And he said, no, no, I'm not okay. I'm not. He said, I just want to see God move. I just want to see it. I want to see it. I'm sorry. That can be fleshy. That can be wrong. Whatever it can be. I want to see it. And not me and my wisdom. Not me, but the Holy Spirit rose up inside of me. And I said, babe, look at you. It's almost 10 years since we thought he had a pulled muscle in his back. And when we got to the ER, we found out that he had a one centimeter fully contained cancerous tumor in his kidney. And the doctors looked at us and said, well, if you've got to have cancer, that's the way to have it because kidney cancer usually doesn't show up until at least stage four. And a lot of times it's too late to do anything about it. He was able to have that removed from his body. Praise God, there has been no reoccurrence. He has had no additional treatment, anything. He didn't have chemo. He didn't have radiation. He didn't have any of it. And I said, you... We see it in you. And then Chloe, at that point, is kicking the back of his seat and being Chloe. You see my Chloe. You know how Chloe is. And I said, in her. I was told when I was 18 years old, I would never have a baby. I think they put six in that child, but we had a baby. <laughs> and I said, we've seen God's hand. We have seen it. And he pulls out, and we just start driving. And we weren't going toward our house. I really didn't even know where we were going. But I wasn't going to ask. I was just along for the ride. And I start laughing. And I said, again, this is the Holy Spirit. This isn't my wisdom at all. I started laughing, and I said, babe, I said, wouldn't it be incredible if, I don't know, say Friday, all of those documents were signed, the dossiers completed, and we can just go to Haiti and get Sandra. This cute little five-year-old we had started a relationship with, who now was 10. 
And he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be amazing. The following Tuesday, I left work early because Chloe had, you know how we do with our little cute girls, and they get the tutus, and they do the dance lessons, and it's, it's just all great. So we were on our way to dance class. I was a little winded because getting that child in a leotard at any point in her life was, took an army. So I get in the van, I'm pulling out, we're right in the, right in the middle, we lived right in uh, St. Albans in the city. Pulling out and I get a phone call, pops up on my Bluetooth, from North Carolina. We had a lawyer that we had hired and to this day, <laughs> we've never met her. Um, we found her through a guy that was writing an HBO documentary of children that were caught up in the system and just of things of international adoptions and featuring Haiti and et cetera. But we start to, I start to back out and I hear Kelly, our lawyer. And she says, hey Susie, it's Kelly. I said, hey Kelly. And I'm just thinking about getting to dance class and she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm headed to dance class with Chloe and I'm backing up out of our driveway. And she says, oh, well, do they offer multiple discounts for more than one child? And I slammed on the brakes inappropriately with half of my van in the middle of the road. And I said, what? And she said, Susie, they signed your file. She said, you can go get your girl. Now that's just a minute part of a very big story. There are days that, you know, Kenny and I would tag team. One of us was constantly in fetal position, I think, for five years as we fought through that. But I said, are you serious? And I started crying. And she said, yes, yes. She goes, now, I knew that, I'm going to tell you the truth. I knew when they signed the papers on Friday that I was going to call you, but I wanted to make sure. And I said, what? And she said, well, I knew when they signed the papers on Friday, but I just wanted to make sure that I had official documents and I didn't want to lead you astray. And I, want, I said, they signed the papers on Friday? And in my head, I'm thinking, the Friday before the Sunday where we stay? Friday? And she said, yes, is that significant? I said, you don't even know how significant. I was so excited to tell my husband that night. And by the time he got home, I pretty much looked like someone had punched me in the face. I'd been sobbing. I would cry, you know. It, he walks in the door, and I said, I need to tell you something. He said, we get to go get Sandra? I said, how do you know? Yes. Yes, they signed the papers on Friday. They signed the papers on Friday. And I'm waiting for his cartwheel and backflip and jumping up and down. And he said with the most exuberation in his voice, praise the Lord. Because if you know my husband, that was a very deep, very meaningful, 
very faith-filled, praise the Lord. We have to determine to get to Jesus, even when it takes a while, even when we're crawling. I've been in that situation in my health, and those of you who know me and those of you who've been around at any point in time in Bethel know how long you guys have been praying for my health. They say that I have end-stage renal disease. But two years ago, they said I had calciphylaxis, and I had six to ten months to get my affairs in order because I wasn't going to live. Three years ago at Christmas, both of my retinas detached because of this disease. And I spent Christmas not being able to see my family, just to see blurs, because I was legally blind. Earlier this year, a nurse decided to play with the power that she had and gave me medication to put me to sleep during dialysis so she could take more fluid off my body than she was supposed to. And by, I don't know, within two hours after my treatment, I had lost severe amounts of hearing. But I stand before you and I can see you. And if you praise Jesus right now, I can hear you. Because he has a plan. He has a plan, but we, got, we have to get in his plan. That's what this fast is about. There's going to be days where you're like, let's do it. There's going to be days where you're crawling. But we've got to get to Jesus. We've got to get to him. If you feel like God is walking away from you, then walk a different walk. Walk the walk of righteousness, the walk of godliness, the walk of becoming separate from the world and being holy because he's holy. Start evaluating everything in your life by asking yourself the question, does this get me closer to Jesus or further away? See, if we want God to intervene in our life, if we want God to intervene in our family, if we want God to intervene in our church, then we've got to get to him. Because it's always a matter, faith and action are like a sandwich. They go together. Um, I have always been drawn to the story about this woman with the issue of blood. And I know some of you are just like my family and you're junkies of the chosen. And if you don't know what the chosen is, please come talk to me afterwards. Um, but basically it's a, a man that has taken the life of Jesus and he's taken scripture, but he's also putting some artistic liberties in there along with Jewish history and culture and all those things of that day. And if you're a visual learner, you know, we all learn differently, but I'm a visual learner. I'm that person that you come up to and you say something, and when you say it, it immediately is a picture like a movie playing in my head, because that's just how I learn. 
So we've been watching The Chosen. Season three is out right now. And um, I had already talked to Pastor about talking and encouraging us. This fast has been very, very important to me. And I've been able to meet with Pastor and some other people. We've been able to pray about it a lot. And um, last Sunday, the episode that came out and the Sunday before that has to do with the woman with the issue of blood. So if you're in that place, if you're a learner like I am, we're going to show a couple little clips of that this morning. Um, So if you guys will cue up the first clip, let's just take a look at where this woman was. Don't touch it. I know. Does your head feel like? Can, can, can you see clearly? Listen, you don't have to help me. Go into town and get the doctor. No! Don't. I wasted all my money on doctors. Sam. Maybe he could help. The master has not been out to the public. What are you talking about? We're followers of a rabbi, very special one, a different kind of doctor. No, different kinds of doctors only make things worse. She doesn't want this. It might not be safe right now. Sorry. Shalom. Rabbi of yours, you said he was special? The most. Is he the man who healed the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda? And so many more. You know him? We're his followers. Where is he now? I won't talk to him until I'm clean, of course, but I just need a moment. And if he's the holy man they say he is, I don't need to waste his time. I could, I could just touch his garment. That's a superstition. Maybe for other holy men, but I'm not talking about other holy men. I'm talking about him. I've heard what he can do, and I saw him give his sermon. I'm talking about him, his garment. I understand. I'm unable to go to synagogue. My father disowned me. I've got no one. Come all this way. 
And I've waited so long to meet him. You can help us, Luke. It, it's funny, I never... Mark 5.28 says, For she said, If only I could touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The last point I have this morning is the point that I want to encourage you with the most. We've said all this in the beginning to get to this, but we have to say it. A wise woman in my life once told me that what you speak about, you bring about in your life, and that's scripture. There's simply no denying it. What we say when we're bleeding from any kind of issue has a tremendous influence on whether or not we see God stop the bleeding. Jesus himself pointed out the importance of our words in tandem with the exercise of our faith. Uh, Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. We will have, he will have whatever he says. Jesus said our words matter. But see, Jesus was the word. He is the word. He's the word made flesh. The psalmist says in Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. You've heard me say it before, but when I was a little girl, I got to have a period of time playing on this property right here where this church is. Several Sundays in a row, my family came here, and this was Klein's Fruit Farm, and there were apple trees. It was a beautiful orchard, and I was always amazed as a young woman. I was probably about Chloe's age. But I was amazed that people would drive for miles around to get Rufus Klein's apples. I was just a kid. It was an apple. has seeds, you know, skin on the outside. Not as shiny as some of the ones in Kroger. But it was just an apple. See, it wasn't that it was just an apple. It was the type of apple it was. Is that they could taste it, and it made the best pies, and the best applesauce, and the best snacks. God spoke to me one time when we were breaking ground here and building this building that if we want to, he, if we want to, people would want to come here too for miles around for the kind of fruit that they could find here. When you catch hold of the revelation of Scripture, you're able to trust God to stop bleeding in every area of your life. So if we want to see God stop the issues in our heart, in our head, in our community, in our families, in our church, then we have to say what God says about it. That's what this fast is. We're all in tune in one Scripture. We're all in tune, hopefully, doing communion. And then we're saying those things together daily. 
We can take, waste time saying what a circumstance is, or we can say what God says. You know, you can say there's no hope, or you can say with God, all things are possible. That's hard to do in our country right now. But with God, all things are possible. We can say, oh my goodness, this is going to be the death of me. Or we can say, I shall live and not die and declare the glory of the Lord. We went over to Lyndon Curtis's one Sunday after church to take a chicken noodle dinner. And Chloe is especially fond of her hallelujah sister, Linda. And she had a little bit of bronchitis and was hoarse. And she, Chloe wanted to pray with her. I said, okay, girl, you go. And so, you know, Linda has, I believe, bronchitis, sinus infection. Clearly, his hands on her, and she said, Lord, I just thank you for hallelujah. And she will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. <laughs> and I chuckled. But then God reminded me, not only, does she, not only do I hear what you say, but she hears what you say. Okay, so not only does God hear what we say, and do we confess it out of our mouth, but those around us hear what we say and no matter whether it's death or life it will take root in them the enemy is not too strong he's not too tough he's not too powerful because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world god is ready for some davids to rise up in this house who will look in the face of a giant and say, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine, to come against the army of the Lord? And even if I have to take you out, and even if I miss, because I've got more than one stone, I'm going to sling him. That's what he's waiting for us. If God's for us, who can be against us? We are not weak, but we are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. When we say what God says, that's the way our faith works. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. You ever have too much weak in your week? Too much W-E-A-K in your W-E-E-K? Then you say, I am strong. See, God didn't say, once you feel this way, speak it. No, he said, speak it. I could go into a, another huge story, but you know, my parents had a, a time in our early childhood where they had some folks in their life that were just tools of the enemy. I don't even know how else to say it. Matter of fact, as an adult, as I grew up, I had trouble forgiving these people because of how I watched what they did to my parents. But my parents continued to walk in forgiveness and speak forgiveness. And God restored those relationships one at a time. And not only did he restore those relationships, but he brought those people to him. Hallelujah. That's what happens when we speak the word of God, it's a boomerang. 
It's, he promises us it will not return void. When we throw it out, it comes back. It won't return void. So this morning we're going to have a chance to say what we're saying. We're going to figure out where our issue is, and if it's getting worse, if it's still bleeding, or if we're starting to see the hand of God and the movement of God. See, the devil's a liar, and God's word is the revelation that we have what he says he has. We have. And we can do what he says we can do because of him. Mark 5.34 says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. See, the word of God promises that when you align with God, you begin to get your joy back, you get your peace back, you get your hope back, your dreams back, your identity back, even when you are struggling, even when you're in the middle of pain, the middle of grief, the middle of heartache, the middle of illness. Let's visit the clip one more time and see what happens when she presses through to Jesus. Stay Everybody back. 
I asked the question, who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward, teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge. You promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was I bled and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal it? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood had ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know, but it wasn't this. It was your faith. She was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. You have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. I'm so glad that we found each other. Please, I promise I will speak to all of you soon. And my students and I will care for your needs. But right now... We're going to do something a little unconventional this morning. 
I appreciate the people who come here every morning and serve. Our, our ushers, our greeters, our, our praise team, musicians and singers and all of those things. But when it comes to ministry time, sometimes we're still doing the things. We're looking at who we need to go pray. I need to pray for this one. I know this person's hurting. I know this pray. We're not doing any of that this morning. We're going to strip all of that away. We're going to turn on some music and we're going to get the lights low. And we're going to have an opportunity as we start next week, the middle of our fast, to be with Jesus. Just us and him. No one else. Because really, all those other things are icing on the cake. He's all we need. He's all we need. This is a powerful song we're going to play. It has a lot of declaration in it. We're not even going to put the words on the screen. Because I know how some of us are. If there is spelled wrong on there, because you know there's three ways to spell that crazy word. You're going to be like, oh, that word was spelled wrong. And you'll be on a rabbit trail. Mm -mm. We're going to strip all that away this morning. We're going to make the area up here available. If you want to come up here and pray, if you want to come up here and stand, if you want to lay on your face, if you want to kneel in your seat, whatever response you want to have this morning, I'm just encouraging you to stop today and get to Jesus. If there's any bleeding at all going on in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, Let's put our faith into action this morning. And let's declare. Let's say what his word says. Because no matter what you are facing today, no matter what mountains in front of you, there's not a mountain that can't be moved. No matter what battle you're having today, there's not a battle he's ever lost. Let's just spend a few minutes with Jesus. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails. 